Hello, hello, and welcome to Big Fan, a podcast for, by, and about big music fans. I'm Emma, and it has been a little while since our last episode, and for the same reason, this one might be cut a little short. I've not been well, and I think if it was something else, for better or worse, I would probably just power through and be turning out episodes anyway but it's actually been my voice that has been faltering so I'm even more soft-spoken than usual in this episode but I was really excited to get into the studio for this one because this week we will be speaking about the one and only Dolly Parton. Dolly has 66 albums that she has contributed to or recorded herself, 26 number ones, eight books, 11 Grammys and two Oscar nominations. So there's so much to discuss. And to be honest, I'm not even sure if we'll get around to that because when you look at her politics, her image, the charity work she's done, um, her kind of cult status as this non-celebrity celebrity, there's so much to dig into. And I could not think of anyone better to discuss Dolly Parton than the podcaster, writer and kind of an all-round leader in a lot of ways. Shun Li Huin is one-third of Bio Regan on Radio 1 and wherever you get your podcasts. She has a lovely blog that she updates still every now and then, Asan Nua. And in general, I just really have always admired her approach to work and life and taking on the world Um, and I can see a lot of maybe reflection in some of the attitudes that she has to some of the ones that Dolly Parton maybe embodies too so I can't wait to discuss all of that if you enjoy the episode please leave a rating on Spotify or wherever you're listening and as always any extra content anything we mention will be in the newsletter at gingeripod.substack.com here we go Welcome into this week's Big Fan Podcast. I have to apologise, no, not apologise, but address maybe first the fact that I am losing my voice a little bit. I hope it's not too grating. I'm hoping it's more Phoebe Buffay's sexy singing voice. But it's okay because I have an amazing guest in the studio with me. Um, We also have to address the fact that the window is wide open and we're not going to close it because it is sweltering in here. It is 26 degrees outside and so... If you hear the ding ding of the Lewis out there, you can just imagine that you're here on Harcourt Street with us um, on a sunny, on a sunny afternoon. Today we're going to speak about the one and only Dolly Parton, and I've learned so much researching for this um, about her many albums, the albums she's contributed to, her awards, her books, and just her general cult status. And I've been so lucky on this podcast to date because everyone who comes in, I'm just like. I can't imagine someone better to speak about this than you. And this week is no exception. We have Shun Nihuin in the studio, podcaster, writer, generally just someone I admire from afar. And I'm so glad that you're here. How are your things? Thanks, Emma. How I'm are really you? I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm roasting. <laughs> but we are not allowed to give out about the weather. So I'm very excited to be here. Thank you so much for being here. And I believe congratulations are in order because you are one third of the Bill Reagan podcast, who has been nominated, who have been nominated for an IMRO. Yeah, our first, and we're really excited. It's actually really nice, even though awards are not that important to us, to be recognised mm-hmm. is still lovely. And we've been doing this for over six years now, 
and it's not something we ever put a lot of emphasis on but then when it does happen it does give you that little lift and, and a kind of a push to keep going absolutely especially when you're doing it with friends yeah and i also love when the three of you go out because the lipstick yeah. is out the furs are on it's going to be it's seen amazing. now uh, in the lyrath hotel in kilkenny in a few weeks so we're really looking forward to it well best of luck i can't wait for the instagrams can't wait to get into the conversation and kind of how dolly has maybe inspired the way that you look at the world or take things on but first i would like to maybe dive into dolly herself a little bit because i have to say i wasn't a massive Dolly Parton fan. I obviously know the classics. Yeah. Um, I had seen Steel Magnolias and she's so lovely in yeah. that. Like really beautiful in just the warmth that she brings to the screen really like it took me aback a bit. Mm. Um, and she is someone who kind of, I don't know, recurs in the cultural zeitgeist for whatever reason. Um, well, recently it's been because of the Moderna vaccine. Yeah. yeah, she's kind of this, you said before we started recording, this kind of omnipresent being in pop culture and in other spheres. So what do we know about Dolly or can you sum her up maybe? Oh, that's really hard to sum Dolly up. Um, for me, she's a cultural icon and she's kind of a punk in her own way. And I know she doesn't look like a punk to what a lot of people would think a punk look like looks like. But I think that Dolly in herself is so herself that she doesn't actually fit into the boxes that we have built, especially for women. Mm-hmm. And she lives on her own terms. And lots of the things that we might think about Dolly aren't necessarily true. And she's also kind of a shapeshifter, mm-hmm. um, actor, musician, writer, all those things, philanthropist. And I think sometimes one of the best things about her is how she surprises us. And I think when you mentioned the Moderna vaccine, nobody saw that one coming. No. <laughs> but by the same token, it was a very her thing to do because she seems to always be on the right side of history. And she has a very sharp wit, which we all know about. But beneath that, I think she's an extremely intelligent person who I'm not sure who she's being advised by or if she gets any advice, but Mm. whatever it is, she manages to come out the right side of a lot of arguments over the last few years. And even politically, it's interesting to look at America now, obviously, and look at how Dolly Parton has lived through America changing. And obviously, we're in this very polarised life now in America. And even at that, she still manages to kind of keep a foot in both sides of the camp. And that is pretty unheard of at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And that's something we're going to get into later. And you Mm. mentioned there like about who's advising her or in terms of business decisions. There's been a lot of talk recently about Taylor Swift as like a businesswoman and the Mm. way that she has dealt her cards and and landed herself these massive tours and films. And she's kind of got a finger in every pie at the moment. But recently there's a video going around of Dolly speaking about when Elvis tried to record um, I Will Always Love You. I think it was. Um, Yeah. And she refused because she understood, even at that point in her career, like how important owning her music mm. was and owning the rights to it was. But yeah, she's always had a good head on her shoulders. Yes. Elvis was ready to record it. I told my friends and people that he was recording it. And Colonel Tom Parker calls me the day before and says, now you do know Elvis don't record anything that he don't publish or at least get half the publishing on. I said, really? Which is to say he would have the rights. He would the have the rights, at least half, half of the the rights to the publishing of the song. I said, I can't do that. This song's already been a hit with me, and this is in my publishing company, and obviously this is going to be one of my most important copyrights, and I can't give you half the publishing. Of course, that's stuff that I'm leaving for my family. And her background is interesting. She's from Tennessee, Mm -hmm. and lots of her music is still rooted in 
very much her yeah. youth and, you know, country music, very pure kind of country music, what we would, I suppose, see as traditional American country music and very pastoral. She grew up with very little. Lots of the songs are based on kind of financial stress mm-hmm. and maybe the way people looked at a family like that in America and how they had to make their way with very little. Um, and I love that about her because she talks about poverty, even though, you know, she could be a billionaire. Yeah. She has her own theme park. She has books. She has, she has I always everything. I she has a theme park. <laughs> she has a theme park that she's often in just walking around or on the train. But she, she's never forgotten who she is, I think, underneath it all. And I'm not sure how you can become that famous and that successful and still be the girl whose mother made her the coat of many colours and that she sings yeah. and talks about in a very wholesome but not in a cloying way. Yeah, definitely. And what you said there about the kind of American country music as well, this question kind of came up when we were speaking about Springsteen, like he was so quintessentially American mm. and it was all about the American dream and she really embodies a lot of that too. But her music internationally has always resounded and here in Ireland, we kind of have a thing for country music that Big I didn't fully understand until <laughs> the Gareth Brooks yes. incident, fiasco, whatever we're going to call yeah. that. I really didn't know. And I should have copped on because when I was working in Galway, running a bar, trying to run a bar, um, bar staff were maybe two years younger than me, so like 18, 19 mm. at the time. And when they were cleaning or whatever during the day, they used to have like John Bug, Nathan Carter, country music on mm. and it never clicked with me. But um, we really love that for whatever reason why do you think that is it's funny I think when you live in Dublin like me and you do we don't see it but when you go outside of Dublin and particularly I'm from Dundalk so Mm -hmm. anywhere north of Drogheda is where I see it and if you went to Castle Blaney County Monaghan on a Saturday night they are jiving (laughs) they are listening to Big Tom always wanted to jive it's so hard I have a clue but it looks amazing and they make it look so easy they're listening to all those country artists and I don't know whether it is because of us being a rural country and mm. connecting into that kind of identity. And certainly when the Garth Brooks thing was happening, I had people come to our house and park because we live near Coke Park and park with us from Monaghan. And when they came back to our house to pick up their cars, I offered them a cup of tea and they were like, absolutely no way. We can't wait to get out of Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> so Fair. I don't know if it's a just an outside Dublin thing that you just don't understand unless you're living in Gazablaney or you're living in Westport <laughs> or you're living somewhere that's not in this urban yeah. area but it is massive yeah. and I think only sometimes do we see glimpses of it like the Late Late Country Special mm-hmm. one of the biggest rated Late Late's every year any sort of Glortiera and TG Car yeah. just massive numbers so I think there's an untapped country music thing there yeah. and Dolly certainly plays into it but she does manage to transcend country music and yeah, move into more pop music as well. And you mentioned say that she not only does she sing but she's been in movies, she writes, mm. she does all these different things. What was your first encounter with Dolly or what was she doing when you came across her? Yeah. I think I was a 14 or 15 year old. Mm-hmm. And I think to be honest the first connection I had with her was what you mentioned earlier as a Dollyism, and it was kind of like this very culturally progressive, intelligent woman who was able to talk back to interviewers who would mm-hmm. bring up what she looked like, um, maybe bring up certain things that they thought about her, that she would put it back in their face in a very humorous, but a very sharp way. And I think I really enjoyed that. And I was very interested in like the agency she has over herself and that she seemed to be two steps ahead of everybody else. 
I certainly knew about Jolene and 9 to 5. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I got more interested in her as a person. And then I remember getting the greatest hits of Dolly Parton. And then I was like, oh, this is it. And where were you, say, like, were your friends aware of Dolly Parton? Yeah, or like, what not, did your life honest. look like at the time? Yeah, I remember I was kind of like a strange teenager at the time. I loved the Bee Gees. <laughs> so weird. I loved Dolly Parton. But I also like was really into like Boyzone and stuff oh, as yeah. well. So there was a mi- big mix there. But I, I, I don't know whether it was just that she spoke to me in a way as a young woman, maybe just coming through puberty and that mm-hmm. people spoke to young women and women in general and they still do in a certain way and about their bodies and about what they yeah. look like. And that I was fascinated by a woman who was able to move beyond that and be smarter than the interviewer and actually put them on the back foot. And that has always inspired me. Have you ever seen her live? Yes. Have you? Yes. She played what is now the three arena, what was the point about... Probably more than 10 years ago when I went wow. to see her and it was amazing. Her voice is exactly what it sounds like Even on now. the radio, on the CDs. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say she changed her clothes about 15 times. <laughs> You'd nearly be blinded by her by the end of it. It was amazing changing wigs. She played the guitar, she played the piano, she played the harp at one point with just her nails. <laughs> she was the best crack. She told all these kind of like stories about obviously Nashville and where she's from. She was really able to connect with the audience in Ireland. Like she wasn't one of those people who comes to Ireland, doesn't know where Ireland is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, again, I don't know if it's being well advised or what, but she was well aware of like where she was, what kind of a country this was and Mm -hmm. that she had a big fan base. So it was very interesting because the crowd was really mixed as well. I'd say I was probably in my mid 20s and there were lots of people in their mid 20s there. There was lots of people in their 70s. -hmm. There was lots of like younger kids. It's very interesting. Yeah, she's the Harry Styles at the time. (laughs) (laughs) She walked the Harry Styles cover sequence. Yeah. Um, I've actually been feeling a bit like her because there's a video going around of her playing her nails. Yes, I love that video. And I, for a change, have not acrylics, but I have long nails at the moment. And I feel like I can do that. Yeah. But then I have a little rhythm that we can do with these acrylic nails. Can you do that? Yeah. Mama, little children love shorts and shorts. Mama, little children love shorts and bread. Mama, little children love shorts and shorts. Mama, little children love shorts and bread. <laughs> they say that the gigs are kind of like an ideal version of they well they said America but like maybe the world even mm. that it's a mixture of you know very right-wing conservative people yeah. and then like the LGBT community mm. that they can kind of all come together in one space why do you think everyone feels safe at a Dolly Parton mm. concert I think it's because of how she has managed to not ever get into trouble which mm-hmm. is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. In a career that long. I don't know what it is. I, I actually think it's because of her intelligence that she seems to know what's going to happen next. And so the only thing that I ever saw that went against her was when people went really anti-vax and she was mm-hmm. investing in vaccinations. Okay. Okay. That was the only thing that I ever saw. And obviously there were certain people who were always going to be against her there. But everything else... Lots of it is rooted in what I would call like very American kind of um, grounded ideals of like we respect each other. Mm -hmm. Even if we don't agree with each other, we respect each other. Now, I think that has gone by the wayside some way in America. But back in the day when we would hear about wonderful America and how it was so, you know, safe for people, which is questionable now. There's very much a deep respect for people and people do their own thing and we don't mind what they do and all that kind of stuff. So she's managed to tread the line while still being revolutionary, mm-hmm. but kind of quietly revolutionary. Yeah. 
yeah that's kind of a recurring theme in every yeah. every topic I was looking at here and actually the way that you said that made me a bit sad for America because it shows how it's regressing it's not yes. even just that it's problematic at the moment yeah like, it's actually been taking a step backwards um but in terms of of politics where they say like dolitics like you said she's mm. done such a good job of kind of handling both sides and even her image or even just the fact that she has this like big career but we haven't spoken about her personal life but she has a husband who I didn't even know about yeah um <laughs> and I suppose that yeah that kind of um it appeases both sides because you have the right who are like yeah she's a good married woman yeah. with Carl at home mm. um but then on the other side they can say well this is a woman who's out doing whatever she wants while there's a guy at home just waiting for her like yeah the, she really yeah and both. she says very little about the husband which mm. is really interesting he's her first and only husband and they married really early on yeah. and they seem to have had a happy marriage, but you, you don't know much about them. And again, what has been inspirational for me about her is she's a childless woman mm-hmm. and it's never really become a thing. Yeah, you know, it's never, it's, I've actually never seen a question. Yeah. And I'm not sure whether she doesn't take a question about it, which I would massively respect, yeah. or she just handles the questions that we don't hear about Mm -hmm. but she's a woman who has like lived on her own terms there's no like massive gossip about her you never see Dolly Parton falling out of a nightclub drunk it's all very she presents herself in a way that I think is like Teflon (laughs) you couldn't she's bulletproof you know she's just managed to do this thing where she's been progressive but never performatively progressive in that she's never come in for a lot of criticism on it, except mm-hmm. for the vaccination thing, which I think is a whole other question of, yeah. you know, people who are for and against. I always wonder because when you see her on stage and she has like the wigs, mm. like you said, and you know the big outfits and everything, yeah. I always wonder like, is there maybe a, a Dolly Parton that we just never see that just like goes to the grocery store Absolutely, and actually doesn't I'd look say. like that I would at all? Her. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. Takes um, a lot of money to look this cheap. As yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's true. She's nearly so artificial, yeah. but so authentic at the same Completely. time. Yeah. Um, and it, I really like that. She makes me question a lot yeah. of maybe how I look at that, or she's kind of leaned in so heavily into like the male gaze and the big boobs, the yes. big lips, the big hair, that she's come full circle to the other side. And it's like women being like, no, fuck it, I don't care what anyone thinks of me. That's it. That's she, it. It's and, universal. And you do, you do when you see her, you want to judge her, but then you take a step back and you're like, hold on a second, she's actually got this figured out. She might look like somebody who's playing into the male gaze but actually she's just doing what she wants and isn't that what we all want as women is to dress how we want and whether we're judged or not that we accept ourselves and if we want to have a massive breast augmentation we just go ahead and do it (laughs) and we just move on and we laugh about it which I suppose is one of her big um, most known traits is is the Mm humour and she uses it so well and it never comes across as very defensive but it's always quick enough to be ready for a question that she doesn't want to answer. Yeah. One of her Dollyisms is a quote about how she knows all the best Dolly Parton jokes because she wrote most of them. <laughs> and it's true. Like, I love watching her in interviews because I didn't actually know that side of her really until I started researching for this. And yeah. I fell in a rabbit hole on YouTube. There's just like 10 minute videos of, of rebuttals. She's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Um, but on that note about, say, um, kind of what she represents to women and how we can kind of look up to her. Mm. Um, she kind of says that she's, well, she openly says that she's not a feminist and she refers yeah. to it as bra burning and whatever else. And yet she is this kind of 
Banja and Rodiach, like, yeah. how do you feel about her not prescribing to? Yeah, I struggled with that for a while. I did because I would I would call myself a feminist and I would probably struggle a little bit with why you wouldn't want to call yourself a feminist. Mm-hmm. But then I come back to it's not up to me to judge why she doesn't call herself that. And she is a woman who's in her late 70s now. Yeah. Um, and she probably has got herself in less trouble than I have when I'm in my <laughs> late 30s. And I have no profile and she is a world superstar. So it actually <laughs> makes me think about how we work with feminism to make it more effective. Mm-hmm. And maybe the more effective way is to say less and do more. Yeah. And yeah. I might have been the other way around for a long time. And I found that I was getting myself into rows left, right and centre and maybe wasn't making any progress. Whereas she's made huge progress and hasn't said that much about it. That's so interesting because I think I would be very much the same and not just with feminism, but say at the moment I'm like super eco-anxious, if you know me. Um, But a lot of my friends, because of that, are like defensive around me, like, oh, I eat meat. And I'm like, that's okay, you do you. I went to Sarah. Yeah. (laughs) They'd be like, sorry, Emma, it's Sheena, I'm sorry. And I'm like, I don't care where you shop. Um, Because on an individual basis, I don't care. But I think because I've been vocal about criticising maybe brands or or lifestyles that are doing damage that people are a bit hesitant to even discuss it and that's maybe not the way forward I know I know and it's kind of a a realization that we all come to I think if you get involved in any sort of activism or Mm -hmm. discourse about topics that are difficult for people sometimes the conversations stop happening because be it coming from us or coming from the person who doesn't want to talk about it, there can be a kind of a reluctance to actually face what's going on. And environmentalism is a massive, massive one at the minute. And I think if any of us sat down and thought about it, we'd all have that anxiety because it is happening. And it's overwhelming. Like, it's kind of too big to think about. So I totally understand why people maybe don't want to. But on that note, actually, Dolly's newest track is a political one. Mm. um, And it's called World on Fire. And it's very much like an eco anthem. And it's very much... It's much stronger than I expected it to be in that she calls out, you know, they're telling us lies. They, I assume, it's a really loud Lewis, uh, I assume being like politicians and, you know, the people who are supposed to be protecting us not. And I was actually quite surprised to hear her be so vocal about something. Yeah, that's unusual. That's Mm -hmm. unusual for her. Now, I think if you sat down and asked her who the they was, she wouldn't answer you. Yeah, yeah. You know, because she never really gets into the exact who. But I think that... She's not afraid to tackle issues, but she tackles them in a very different way than other women do. Mm-hmm. And other women, especially powerful women. And I think when we imagine a powerful woman, we often don't imagine somebody like Dolly Parton. But she has yeah. power that is unbelievable. So when she does put her name to something, and I, I often think about the Imagination Library. I was just about to say, yeah. yeah. Like... I'm a book nerd as well, so this really <laughs> plays into me. But like the fact that she can help so many kids have books in their lives that wouldn't have books in their lives. And there's a literary literacy element to it as well. I mean, how could you question the power of a woman who's impacted that many people's lives? It's unbelievable. It's so selfless as well. Like yeah. She's very quiet about the activism yeah. she does. Yeah. Um, do you ever feel, I know that her sister spoke out um, because she's so reluctant, say, to stand up for certain mm. issues, or um, like she was at the Emmys with Jane Fonda yeah. and Lily Tomlinson, and they were kind of making jabs at Trump, and she refused to yeah. pull out a boob joke. 
Yeah. Classic. Um, classic Dolly. Um, and her sister was quite like hurt that she maybe hadn't said something, hadn't stood up for women. Um, do you ever struggle with that side yeah, of, of it? I do. I do. But I, I still come back to I think that whatever she does in the background is probably more powerful than stepping into the arena and maybe turning more people against her. I think she's more about what we say in Irish, Thortina Leahy. Yeah. You know, bringing people with her rather than turning people away. And I think that I love Jane Fonda and I love her activism and I, I love Lily Thomason as well. But I just think that Dolly was never going to go there mm-hmm. because that's not her way. We still refuse to be controlled by a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot. That being said, tonight we're here to recognize some men who conduct themselves with the utmost integrity. They're nominated for their extraordinary work in supporting roles. Well, I know about support. (laughs) (laughs) Hadn't been for good support. Yeah, shocking off here would be more like Flopsy and Droopy. I'm just hoping that I'm gonna get one of those uh, Grace and Frankie vibrators in my swag bag tonight. I actually thought it was a bit unfair of them to have put her on the spot like that. Especially when they know her really well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit hard. Um, but she does have some interesting stories in her background. If you've ever listened to the podcast, Dolly Parton's America. Yes, yes, Amazing. yes. Amazing. I haven't got through all of it, but oh, I got so a few good. It's a real comprehensive look at her life yeah. and, and her work. But there's a really interesting part where when she's kind of coming into her own and she's on this show with this guy... And he becomes instinctually very aware that she's going to eclipse him. Mm-hmm. And she's become the star of the show and he is not happy about it. And she has to stand up for herself. And she does. And she becomes the star. But there's a real tension there yeah. between this young one and possibly how she looked at the time in, what was it, 1960-something. And the, the, the gender politics of America at the time and how women weren't given the power to step out of a man's shadow and become their own person and so the stuff like that really inspires me because she might not talk about it that often you hear the odd thing that she Mm -hmm. mentions about it but she doesn't go into it comprehensively but when you do hear her backstory it's so inspiring and actually we have overlooked something huge that she did for women and that is the nine to five song and film like (laughs) Dolly who's not into politics was starring in a film that was literally commissioned by a union for women's rights in the workplace yes that film, I didn't see it for years. I'd heard so much about it. And obviously the song yeah. was so huge and still is so huge. Like at every Irish wedding, they pull yeah. out nine to five and every woman goes crazy for it. Because yeah. I think every woman and possibly every man resonates with that mm-hmm. feeling of being worked to the bone and not getting what you deserve. And I think lots of minorities as well can resonate with that feeling of not being seen, not being visible enough, not being, yeah. you know, paid. But that that film, I think of the outfit, the hair, the suit. <laughs> Just loved it. And she wrote that song on set. She wrote yeah. 95 on set. That's the one she wrote with the nails. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's Hilarious. the one she wrote with the nails. That's how she started it. Love that. Um, when you were saying about minorities kind of gravitating towards her, I suppose, there was, in, I think it was on that podcast, and they were talking about how young gay men used to buy, like... I don't know the names of these magazines, Playboy type mm. magazines that she had taken photographs yeah. for. And the parents would be like, oh, I'm buying lads mags again. But actually they just loved <laughs> Dolly Parton. The image. Yeah. yeah. It really reminded me of, um, there's a PhD about young queer and lesbian girls going to One Direction concerts. Oh my God. And passing 
to their parents or to friends being like, oh yeah, I love One Direction, mm-hmm. but actually just going to be with other queer women at the shows. Yeah, yeah. Such a good cover. Yeah, it actually is a great cover when you think about it. And I think like that iconography, she did, she has done Playboy and she's done she's done other things as well. And even when we look at that, like it, it's not something that possibly I would put into my feminist theory <laughs> but it's not up to me to decide what hers is yeah and I think that that's one thing that I do love about her is that she does make me question maybe my very rigid view on feminism and what works and what doesn't and what we need to say and what yeah. we don't need to say and how we act and how we dress and all those things and actually she turns a lot of that on its head and says actually you should just accept me for who I am yeah. doesn't matter what I look like even when I look like this And I love the contradictions in her approach as well, because I don't know if you feel this as well, but working in the media especially, Mm. and I would say like I'm very peripheral media anyway, it's not like my face is plastered anywhere, but there's kind of a pressure to be a brand or to fill a niche and to present yourself, like you said, like a neat box, like this is who I am and what I bring to the table. But actually people are so multifaceted and she's kind of allowed herself to be that Mm. without ever losing her central self. Yeah, that's very true. And I think when we think of... And I'd say particularly women in media, we do like to say she's the indie girl. Mm. She does the pop thing. She does this. She's a politics person. But and often we hear it, obviously, as Irish speakers. Oh, yeah. She's the, the Irish Gwengor. speaker. She's the Gwengor. <laughs> and it's one of those things that does drive me crazy. Number one yeah. about being a woman and number two about being an Irish speaker is that sometimes I want to scream at somebody and say that's not all there is yeah you know and that there's a lot more and that I also speak English have a little <laughs> bit of French and I'm really into clothes and I'm really into Dolly Parton and I'm really into you know there's there's so much more to every woman and I think that we all struggle with that and, and even as women when we look at other women we sometimes do only see one mm. side and one dimension and I think she has shown so much dimension and so much depth of character that, yeah. you know she is a, an amazing example of how to challenge things yeah and maybe that universal universality universality what's the word but that has kind of contributed to this cult status that she mm-hmm. has because I think it's it's not a specific generation it's not even just women it's so many people are drawn to her they were speaking about the candles with Dolly printed on it and you see that with like mm. Harry Styles or Taylor Swift yeah. but I feel like they're a bit ironic or camp or something but when you see one with Dolly you're like I actually think there's some yeah, people in Dolly who, we trust yeah they <laughs> do believe in her and like nearly a spiritual level yeah yeah and I and I, I think it's funny that when you think of her as she is a leader Mm. And I think that that's one of the big things for me is like, you know, the vaccination thing. Yeah, it took me by surprise, but I also wasn't shocked because I was like, but of course. Yeah. But of course she's thinking in these terms. And, and, you know, she would say she didn't give that much, you know. I don't think that really matters. I think the point is that she was making a statement about where she stood on the whole thing without making a massive statement. She didn't have to actually say that much. All Mm -hmm. she said was that she knew the doctor involved in the trials. I'm like, really? (laughs) You know? Her best friend. Yeah. She's like, I'll just throw a few bob here. Gas. And then in terms of like the parasocial relationships we have with these people, I feel like she's a bit different to like, I, I don't know, like when we look at younger pop stars or influencers or the people who influence us, Mm. I'm saying influence in like uh, inverted commas, but um, or quotation marks even, it feels different with Dolly because Mm. she's like nearly not of this world. Like I'm not going to go out and buy the jacket that Dolly Parton is wearing. Like I don't feel any pressure to consume or conform to anything in particular by following her, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's very true. And I follow her on all platforms. (laughs) (laughs) And lots of what she does really is, and this sounds terrible, but it's like, 
R.I.P. to my friend who just died, like Kenny oh, Rogers no. and all these things, because obviously she is of that age yeah. where it's like, oh, this person's died, so you know, it's a tribute it comes to for all of us. This, yes, it'll come to all of us. But I do think that we know very little about her. Yeah. And I like that. I don't mm. know where she lives. And I don't really want to know where she lives. I don't want to see Dolly getting up in the morning, stumbling yeah. about on her. You know, I just don't. I like that she's mysterious. And I like that I hear her through her music and I like that I come across her the odd time on YouTube and I like that she was in West Kerry in a pub with Steve Cooney and Seamus Begley. I love that Cute. she's kind of mythical. Yeah. And so I don't want to, to know too much about her. And funnily enough, there's other people that I want to know everything about. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to see her without her wig and I don't want to see yeah. her without her nails. It feels because, invasive. Yeah, it does. And she has clearly laid down these boundaries of when I am Dolly Parton, I am... Here with the outfit and the and the glitter and the hair and that's when you know me and mm-hmm. I I respect that because I think again as a a person who has kind of grown up on the internet we gave away everything yeah and now we're yeah. trying to claw back a little bit and we're like no we don't like it anymore and she's like <laughs> don't perceive me yeah 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 don't see me and now she's so far ahead of us she's like you idiots <laughs> never give anything away really yeah she, she acts like she's giving a lot away she's actually not giving anything away. And do you see any of yourself in her or is there anything like that about mm. her that you would love to embody or that you try to? I do. I do try, I have to say. And sometimes it's unconscious and sometimes it's conscious. Um, sometimes it comes down to how I present myself in clothes. Um, and sometimes it's down to the humour thing. I've heard myself say, it takes a lot of money to look this cheap. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, why did I say that? But I, I say it out of respect to her. And I, yeah. I generally hope that people know that I'm referencing her. And I hope that I don't have to explain to them, <laughs> you know. Um, but I do I do think when it comes to how a woman presents themselves and their body and how that is sometimes perceived, that I do think of her. And I think yeah. of how she... I won't say she's limitless when it comes to it, but that she seems to have her own terms on how she presents herself. And she doesn't seem to weigh herself down with what other people think of how that body is presented. Yeah, yeah. Some Another similarity I see, or but maybe it's a difference. Like, I would say that I'm very... Um, tolerant in general mm-hmm. I'd be quite like patient I'm not very yeah. confrontational but I'd have like a very low bullshit tolerance yeah. so I feel like you'd be kind of erring on the same yes. side yeah but when it comes to her she nearly has this like radical kindness and even when she was asked about Donald Trump like her answer was we should pray for the president like yeah. even even with Donald Trump she had this empathy yeah that it kind of that took me aback I was like maybe that's what I should be going for we need more prayers <laughs> need more prayers yeah whatever religion yeah that's true actually and she's very slow to criticize yeah and again I think it's part of the very careful presentation of her but also it does hark back to her roots you know of mm-hmm. living with very little and praying for you know a good life yeah um yeah I think that she is a very ethically based person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that whether it comes across like this or not, it is a radical way to live your life to not come out and call somebody a terrible name when you really yeah. want to. And I think it's funny because 
I think as women, often we struggle with anger and how to express anger and kind of that we suppress it because it's not seen as feminine and mm-hmm. it's not as acceptable as, as male anger sometimes can be and deserved anger sometimes. <laughs> but she manages to kind of bypass anger and move to another level. And even though you can tell that she's been frustrated by things in the past, mm-hmm. including her early career and people kind of getting in her way of her yeah. talent. The talent shone and I think that She's one of those lucky people that even though she grew up in a time that society wasn't fair to women, she still managed to come out on top. Yeah. Yeah, that's lovely. Because sometimes, like, I always believed that if you work hard, like, mm. the things will come. Yeah. And, like, sometimes when you get a setback or whatever, you're mm. like, oh, maybe I was wrong or maybe I should have worn a push-up bra or done whatever the <laughs> yeah. fuck you needed to do yeah. to get by. Yeah. Um. But actually, long term, maybe that is what it is, that she just, she persevered. I think she did persevere and I think she knew that she had something that other people didn't have. And I think the songwriting Mm -hmm. thing is kind of incredible. Like she's a beautiful voice and she can perform so well. She's such crack. She's a clear storyteller. She's a performer. But I think the songwriting, it really speaks to people. Yeah. And I remember the first time that I learned that she wrote I Will Always Love You. And so I remember being a young girl watching The Bodyguard and like that song. I know. I mean, I know. that's when they hit the drum at the end. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just amazing. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, of course she wrote that song. Yeah. And she was really happy for Whitney Houston to sing it. It Like, I mean, the graciousness. Beautiful. Beautiful. And the fact that she wrote that and Jolene like within a few days of back each other back. or back to back yeah. like polar opposites yeah yeah and like in the ghetto love I yeah. just feel like lots of her stories that are in the songs tell us the story of American society mm-hmm. um, and I think I learned a lot about America through songs that yeah. Dolly Parton wrote I didn't know anything about lots of things that happened in America only through Dolly Parton and similar to Sinead O'Connor in ways there's lots of things that I learned about how unfair society was to certain people through Sinead O'Connor's songs. I didn't know anything about them because yeah. I actually never saw them in the media. And so it does take somebody who is a true artist and a true storyteller to actually show you what's happening in the world. Yeah. And Dolly does do that and so did Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, and kind of lets that speak instead of being an advocate for certain politics or whatever. The, yes. the music was there telling the stories. Yeah. Are there any songs that kind of remind you of specific times in your life or that are special for any reason loads there's this really um fun song called three doors down Mm -hmm. and it's a real party song and it reminds me of my sister and I remember (laughs) um she was working in a pub and she'd come home from (laughs) the pub and I'd be at home I was like probably 16 or 17 and we'd have uh, the Dolly Parton obviously greatest hits on and I'd throw on the number three track on the second album and we'd have a total bop around the kitchen to doors down and laughing and drinking and having a party <laughs> that and also I think Code of Many Colours is just yeah. incredible and when you hear her talking about her mother and about the love that was sewn into the coat oh it kills me and I, and I look at, at, at how society is now and how parents are really struggling to put coats on their kids sometimes yeah. and nothing has really changed even though that song was written so long ago the themes are still there of poverty and people on the edges and really struggling to get by. And, you know, that's a political statement in itself mm-hmm. about how much we have failed certain people. Yeah. I usually wrap up the podcast asking about a favourite song or favourite album. But I thought it would be apt to ask you for your favourite Dollyism. <gasps> um, 
I have so many. I have so many. <laughs> I probably have to go back to it takes a lot of money to look this cheap because I think that when you are a woman in society, you're constantly judged on what you look like, whether we like it or not, and yeah. whether we pretend it happens or not anymore. It still does. And it reminds me to kind of laugh at things like that and to be aware. And I think that's one thing that she's taught me about being self-aware and kind of being ahead of the game. So that's the one for me. Lovely. Shun, thank you so thank much. You. I can't believe we got through that episode. So it feels so quick. Yeah, like, like I, we're just I, getting going though, no? Yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming in. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Um, and we can follow you on Instagram. And yeah. we can listen to Bio Reagan. Tell us where and when. Yes, Bio Reagan is on RT Radio 1, Saturday nights at 8 and anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Emma. for another episode of Big Fan if you like the episode please rate it if you didn't please contact me I'd love to hear any recommendations or if there's anything else that you want to contribute to the conversation we love hearing from you you can reply to the newsletters directly you can sign up for the newsletter at gingeripod.substack.com you can find me on Instagram Twitter wherever at gingeripod you can find Shuen at Shuners on Instagram um, and also I recommend listening to Pio Oregon on Radio 1 or wherever you get your podcasts. If you really enjoyed this Dolly Parton episode especially, I would really recommend Dolly Parton's America, a podcast that I listened to a few episodes of in preparation for this episode and I really enjoyed it. There's maybe 10 episodes digging into each of the questions that we asked but maybe on a deeper level. Thank you so much for listening. Agus Kriya Hedor Ella. Sloan Agus Tour Aura.